Before we get started with the show today, I want to send a special thank you out to Ginny Cappert. Ginny sent us a very generous donation of $50. Uh, If you would like to send a donation to The Messy Studio, go to MessyStudioPodcast.com and click the donate button. Uh, You can donate any amount. um, And I think that going forward, we're actually going to start thanking everyone for uh, their donations, no matter what the amount. Um, the, uh, the smaller donations, even just one or $2 a month are very helpful for us as well. And we want to, sp- we want to spend some time thanking those people as well. Um, so, uh, so thank you again to Jenny. And if you would like to hear your shout out on the messy studio podcast, click that donate button at messystudiopodcast.com. Hello and welcome to The Messy Studio with Rebecca Kroll, the podcast at the intersection of art, travel, entrepreneurship, philosophy, and life in general. I am Ross Tickner, Rebecca's audio producer, podcast guru, and her son. On today's show, we are talking about questions and the creative process. The questions we ask ourselves as artists are at the root of the creative process. In this episode, Rebecca looks back at the role of questions in her own work and the importance of questions as part of a personal voice in general. Solutions to these big questions may take years to appear, or they may always be elusive, but the search keeps us going. As artists, we are driven by the unknown, wondering about possibilities, and this brings energy and change to our work. With me, as always, is Rebecca Kroll. Hello, everyone. A little background on this topic. I was looking back over things we've talked about over time, and I thought, well, I'd like to talk a little bit more about my own creative process as a way of also generalizing um, how do you develop your process in a way that suits your own needs. And as I started thinking about what to say, I realized how many times I was posing the sort of questions that I ask myself all the time, and, and most artists do. And realized how how important that role is that questions have in our process. Um, you know, we ask ourselves all kinds of questions as we're going along, and some of them are pretty specific to whatever the actual piece is that we're doing. Um, you know, what's working? Is it finished? Do I need more blue? Whatever it is. And then we also have those deeper questions about our overall direction and voice. And I guess it just hit me. This is something that is so, we're so aware of it and yet kind of unaware. So what questions have I asked of my own work and my own process and what questions might you be asking or maybe not even consciously asking, but they're they're in there in your thought process. To me, if we don't ask these questions, <laughs> the only, the only um, conclusion I can say is you're totally satisfied with what you're doing if you're not questioning it. And, you know, whoever does that. So <laughs> it's a very natural process, but shining a little light on that um, today. And I wanted to start out with some general observations about questions um, as part of art practice. And one of these is that your own personal development, your process, takes a lot of time and patience to develop. It's sort of an un- organic unfolding. And during this process, we confront a whole lot of problems and questions. And um, the answers don't necessarily come easily, as you said in your intro. Um, 
and oftentimes we are challenged to come up with things because we need something to work. So it's that old cliche of necessity is the mother of invention. Um, these kind of smaller problems that we encounter day to day, there may be sort of a step-by-step process, you know, well, I'll try this, I'll try that, what does it need? Um, the bigger or more conceptual questions, I think, really take some patience and introspection and um, just knowing that it will take time to be worked out. So sometimes we lie awake at night wondering about <laughs> what to do or whatever. And a lot of times the answer really is to to let it unfold. Um, so kind of the kind of questions that are general to everyone, we have questions about the form of our work. And if you remember earlier podcasts about form and content, form just means the the objective, describable aspects of your work. And I realize that by asking questions, what we're really trending towards over time is a sort of economy. We're trying to figure out what works and what doesn't work, and will something work better? And along the way, you know, we take these little side trips and think we'll try this or try that. And I think there's a bit of a tendency to beat ourselves up about whether these the, the fact that not all these things work out. And I know for myself, early on when I started working with cold wax, I acquired a lot of different tools, right? Because I was trying to figure out what would work. How can I push this kind of heavy-bodied oil paint around? And over time, I had kind of a garbage heap, you know, of these things that really didn't work. And I felt a little guilty. I've wasted money and resources acquiring these things, and I would use them to the extent that I could, but at some point, they were not useful. And I think there's, you know, trying to avoid, like, guilt over that. It is really, it is part of what you have to do to figure things out. Um, Right. The only way to learn is to to actually do it, because even no amount of research is going to really yeah. tell you what you need to know. Right. Uh, just, you know, somebody else's experience on the internet or something with using mm-hmm. this or that tool to create this or that effect, it may not even work that way for you. Yeah. It's same with techniques. And I mean, I guess I kind of like this idea that we're always working towards a pared down version of what we actually need. So we're discarding things that don't work out. Right. And, and, and we're always asking. And just because work. it doesn't work for you doesn't mean that it won't work for right. somebody else. And I, I think it's always good to, to pass things along to other people. True enough, yeah. Um, and that way they don't have to spend that time and money uh, invested in into acquiring these things if somebody else is not, that's not useful for them. Yeah. It's just garbage anyway for for, the, for what they're doing. And yeah. so it's better to just pass that along and say, hey, give this a shot. If it works for you, it didn't work for me. So <laughs> Right. And I think people do that. People have given me stuff that they said, no. Yeah. Yeah. didn't work it would you know maybe sometimes it would work for me um and same with techniques as i said you're gonna you know don't don't regret uh learning different things taking workshops or whatever that didn't turn out to be what you needed right. it, it's part of that constant winnowing i guess you would say of of what what's going to work it's hard to pass along a technique that doesn't work for you though (laughs) (laughs) that only really works for tools that might be true (laughs) um and you know so that was kind of form things i mean the op the other side of form is content the meaning of things and again there's these questions we ask that that keep winnowing down we start with a lot of ideas and over time we say is that what's important 
and you know these kind of questions. Is that really getting to the core of what I want? And we're questioning all the time our particular path. And um, you know, that's for my myself. I gradually winnowed down that what I was doing had a lot to do with um, landscape in an abstract sense, and especially the landscape of uh, more wild or remote or rocky places. And and then it kind of grew from there. Once I had sort of narrowed it down, I could dig a little deeper and I started thinking about dualities um, in the landscape, which is kind of where I'm thinking now, you know, about strength and fragility or microcosm, macrocosm. And these are things that are going to keep me going. But if I hadn't tried to winnow down what that focus was, I don't think I'd get much deeper. So what kinds of questions are important? I really like what if questions. Um, what if I try this? What if I try that? I mean, these are very adventurous and exploratory kinds of questions. And based on the idea that there is no one right way and, um, you know, intuition is involved and imagination. And I think there's also some kind of more hardcore self-critique questions that get asked along the way. And those are important too. And uh, we did a podcast early on about self-critique. Basically, am I conveying what I want to? Is this piece working? Is this piece finished? And these are a little bit tougher questions, but they're all questions that are general things that people work with. Um, So I thought I'd talk a little more about my, my own process and what questions came up and you know, what, how did I address them? And specifically in these comments, um, focusing on cold wax medium, because I do work in other media, but my main production of my work has been in cold wax. So uh, that's kind of where I'm, I'm focused here. And going back to before I started using cold wax, I was working in straight oil paint and I was interested in abstracting from the landscape, and I wanted to get uh, more natural-looking or organic surfaces and textures and colors. And what I can see now, I didn't see it in the moment, was that cold wax would point the way to this. But basically, what I'm talking about is I was searching. You know, I was thinking, how can I do this? I kind of know what I want, but I don't know how to get there. Um, and so then when cold wax kind of randomly appeared in my life that it actually turned out to be the way to do that. Um, Not that I knew that right away. So there was a very slow development of the techniques that I use and teach, etc. With cold wax and oil, that took about seven or eight years. And I, I regret now that I didn't make more notes during that time. You know, were there breakthrough moments? Were there things where I said, I wonder if this will work? And it did. I don't really remember. It's kind of a blur. And it, I wasn't I wasn't going at it systematically or anything. At some point, I did start to make notes because people were asking me a lot of questions about it that I knew or they'd see my work somewhere. But <laughs> I guess if you're asking yourself a lot of questions and trying to figure something out, it's good to make notes and um, be a little, I don't know what, scientific about it. Uh, I tried this, I tried that. Do you think that that would have um, affected the trajectory of your work if you were making notes and going about it in a little bit more of a systematic way? It could be. I mean, it took a long time. And and I think when you make notes, 
you know, you're much more likely to reread them and say, oh, okay, I forgot that I did that. Or, um, you know, how did I get this particular color? Or how did I get this particular texture? Mm -hmm. It has, I've never done that until I started reading about, uh, I'm sorry, until I started writing about cold wax and teaching it, I didn't have a, it in any systemic way in my head. And I guess that's a pretty good suggestion if you're aware of the fact that you're on this quest to figure something out. Uh, write down your questions. Write down your answers. Do you think it would have affected the way that you were experimenting with cold wax, though? Do you think that you oh. would you would want to do your experiments in a more systematic way rather than, well, let's try this? You know, I mean, I feel like part of that creative <laughs> process is is that kind of spontaneity. Yeah. And would you lose that if you were going you, about it in like a scientific, very might. like clinical way? You might. I mean. It's probably to do a lot with personality, and I right. don't have that particular systematic approach uh, in my work. So, uh, but but a lot of people do. So maybe what we can suggest is is keeping like a journal or a diary or something, and and allowing the creative process to flow and develop in natural ways. But then, you write keeping kind of a log of what you've mm-hmm. figured out or accomplished. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I'd been working with it for like five or six years, I think, before I put down some notes. <laughs> and that, there, I only have maybe one or two yeah. pages of notes. I don't notes. think you even start to think that way until you start to think, how, well, how can I teach this to somebody else? Yeah, exactly. Else? Yeah. 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 And sometimes when I'm teaching, I see people making a lot of notes and making note of the layers that they're putting down and everything. And and I always think, well, that's interesting. <laughs> I wouldn't do it myself, but maybe it works for them. So it's one of those, I don't know, personality things and figure out if it's inhibiting or is it helpful. Um, so I guess, you know, overall it was this kind of idea of um, I'd get some good results and then how can I take it further? That was really the question. I got this solvent reduction to work. So how did I do it? That was one thing because I'd look back and say, how did I get to get this to work? And then how could I do it again? And how can I expand on it? Um, and another thing, when you're working with a new material, a new media, this is a basic kind of principle of art is whatever medium you're working with, your job as an artist, one of them, is to exploit that medium. What can you do with it? You know, how, how can you make it do the most amazing things that are possible? You know, so with cold wax, I think that was at least an unconscious process of how many things can I make happen here? How can I really expand um, the stuff that's going on here? And then also, you know, in that early phase, how do I make these work as paintings? Because I was involved in just creating these beautiful surfaces, and that was really my focus. But a beautiful surface does not alone make a painting. And so they were basically sort of color fields. And I had questions about um, how do I compose with this idea? Because I wasn't to the point of making shapes or definite statements in individual panels. And my answer to that question that evolved was putting these panels side by side in multiple panel arrangements and actually bolting them together. And even that idea evolved. Well, they're sort of 
not very exciting because they're all 12 by 12 bolted together. So how about if I do 6 by 12 and 12 by 12 and 18 by 12 and, you know, line them all up. And so there was more rhythm and pattern and so on. And that was, you know, opened up some really interesting ideas. And I worked with that uh, for a long time. So I guess speaking now from what I'm doing right now, um, how questions I'm asking myself now or have in the recent past led to some growth and my direction. I really wanted to get more depth and complexity to my work. So it was like these natural surfaces that I was interested in. And that's what I'd been working on developing um, for years. Um, so how can I push that further? How can I really make that exciting? And the idea of layers emerges as a concept. <laughs> so the way cold wax works is it, it adds a lot of body to the paint. So you can pile it up in layers and they'll set up fairly quickly if they're not really thick. So that's the idea I've been working with. Um, and I just started to experiment more with how those layers are going to interact. Um, how can they, uh, what, what's like contrast became important. If I'm going to put texture in or dig back in, I want the layers underneath to provide enough visual contrast. So it's interesting. Um, I also wondered and experimented with and learned at what stage of dryness things could be done. Um, this cold wax sets up fairly fast, quicker than straight oil, but not nearly as fast as something like um, acrylic. So I s gradually learned through questioning and experimenting, what's what's a good technique to use when it's at this particular point? You know, it's it's tacky. So, uh, what what works well there? And that was quite a learning curve there. Um, and so, you know, what what new techniques lead come out of these ideas, these experiments? Uh, what can I do with color? And I gradually learned that how to get really subtle color by just slightly varying the hue or the value within one color and making it very rich, adding depth. Um, so the the materials I was using, I continually questioned, you know, how how are they working? When is it a good time to step away and just leave this thing alone, let it set up? When's a good time to keep pushing it, keep working it wet, see what I could do? Um, and these were all properties that specifically related to the cold wax. And because I didn't have anyone showing or teaching me, I was really trying to figure these things out. And then gradually other concerns. I I wanted to know how to bring more structure to the work, how to work with composition and um, how to create unity in the piece. And early on, I discovered that I wanted to put some layers of color that were continual, continuous colors down early on, three or four layers that were all the same color, because that would provide color unity. If I scratched in one area and revealed red, I could scratch in another area and I'd get a similar color. Um, and so I also worked with that multiple panel solution, as I mentioned, for a long time, about 10 years gradually more complexity, more interest. Um, but then I came to this point of, okay, I feel like I'm done with those more or less collaged pieces. 
I have a single panel here. Maybe it's a big panel. How do I compose effectively on this one panel? And a lot of these questions, they get down to setting up a challenge for yourself. You recognize, okay, I've come to this point. I want to move on. And the questions kind of define the challenge. And again, whether you do this consciously or not, it's, it's something that you feel. And on some level, you know that that's what you're doing. And so I had to answer these questions about um, the single panel approach. And that brought in things like shape, which started out very soft and atmospheric. And gradually, my most recent work has had a lot more definite shape, but that that's how it evolved. Same with line that, you know, has changed over time, how I use line. And so, you know, looking at the different visual elements, how does color function in my work? How does um, value? And there's been so many questions, you know, <laughs> big and small. How, how can I get this color to work? What could I mix with this color to get a particular effect? And everybody who paints knows what I'm talking about. It's, it's actually amazing how challenging this is when we're, we spend hours and hours answering our own questions. <laughs> it's, it's uh, pretty demanding work. Of course, we love it, but it's right. it's um. And it, when you're working in a style that you're not really following in anybody else's footsteps, none of those questions have answers, and and it's it's all just stuff that you have to try go through trial and error and experimentation and mm-hmm. um and it's it's a very very long process but the the reward is something unique yeah and i think getting back to to note taking and and so on um usually when we're in the flow of our work the questions are either slightly below the surface or they're in our heads and we we have a running commentary on what we're doing but there's always a time to sit down and stare. <laughs> and for me, that's usually when I just need a break. I've been standing, painting for a while, ready to sit down. And I often do pull out a sketchbook at that point and make some notes. And again, the questions of, is it working? What does it need? Is that shape too big? Is that color too strong? And playing around with possible solutions, making little, um, you know, uh, thumbnail sketches and things like that. And so it's it's a it's an amazing amount of self education that's going on. And it's so, like you said, you're not uh, if you're not following someone else's instructions, it is totally self directed, self imposed, and we even when you study with someone or you know are influenced by someone you're still on your own <laughs> right you're well st- and it can be very hard to be asking yourself the right questions Good point. Uh, some people are going to be overly critical or overly perfectionistic about their work and some people are going to be the opposite they're going to not really be asking themselves enough enough questions in terms of how can I push this a little bit further. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And, and there's probably some examples of questions that are more harmful than beneficial. Um, 
questioning your worth as an artist, you know, that negative self-talk can often come in the form of questions. What am I doing? Am I any good? You know, <laughs> these kind of things. Um, another one that, you know, <laughs> I'm going to be practical and say it has a place, but it also could interfere with the creative process. And that is, will it sell? <laughs> because and I know a lot of people do this. And when you're sitting around looking at your work, instead of thinking, how can I improve this? Or what does it need? Or is it finished? The question of, will people like it? Will it sell? Will my gallery like it? Right. They, they're always kind of hovering. But I think pushing them back as much as you can while you're actually working. And you may, when it's done, you may think, is this painting more appropriate for a particular gallery or right. particular audience. Well, I think that a, a healthier way of asking that question is what kind of environment will this be displayed in? Like mm. what else is going to be going around this painting in whatever environment it ends up in? Mm -hmm. um, you know, in a gallery, it's, it's, you know, what is the location of the gallery? Um, you know, is it an urban setting? Is it, uh, is it going to be someplace where there's mountains? Is it, you know, what, what is it going to evoke in, in the surroundings, mm. um, of that piece? And then who is that end buyer? You know, what are, where are they going to put this painting in their home, uh, in their business? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, what is, what is going to be going on around this painting? Uh, and if you consider those things in, your composition and as you're working, um, naturally you're going to end up creating something that, that is going to be more sellable, that has a buyer because you've kind of envisioned what's going on around the painting, not just what's going into the painting. Yes and no. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to disagree a little bit just because what you're describing is more or less, I think, what a commission would be. Well, I'm not. I'm not talking about creating something specific for a, like a specific buyer or a specific. But but if you have some idea of, you know, what, how is this painting going to be displayed? Mm -hmm. um, you how, know, whether whether it actually ends up in that environment or not, it has mm -hmm. that intention in it. And I guess maybe what you're describing is what context would you like to this painting to be seen in? Right. And then when you're finished with the painting, um. There may be choices about what you do with it according to what you feel the context should be when right. it's finished. Um, what I'm saying is is that the, the painting shouldn't only look right in your studio. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. And, and that or, is, or in your home or wherever you would put it if it was your that's painting. That's something a lot of us uh, lose sight of for sure. And we have no control over what happens to it when it leaves, uh, but making it as... As something that will work in various situations is a is a universal kind of I don't know it's it sort of a bigger picture right idea. and I know that you'll take your paintings and actually move them around and see how they look in different contexts and different light mm -hmm. yeah that's true um, and that's that's one of those good questions is how will this look in different lights um, and I often like when I'm working in New Mexico. I take my work out to our sun porch where there's a lot of diffused natural light, which seems to be like the very best, most beautiful light. And I see it at its best. And then I see it maybe in a dark corner and I think, is it still holding up? You know, 
Um, and light is so different in different places too. Like I, I know we talked before about you having kind of some issues in moving from Wisconsin to New Mexico and things not quite working the same for you in your workflow. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if, if the, just the way that the light works up in the mountains. Yeah. It's a subtle thing. It's, it's very different though. And you really notice it if you're taking photographs, mm-hmm. how different things look mm-hmm. in, in that light versus, um, you know, at, uh, in Wisconsin where we have this much more kind of thicker atmosphere and more diffused mm-hmm. light and softer, softer light. And then up in the mountains, it's this very intense, yeah. you know, contrast and in, in everywhere. Yeah. And, and it's due to the light. And uh, I mean, light is an example of something that you may not think to question. You know, light is light. But why is this photo not coming out? Why is, um, do I need to move to a different location for the photo to work uh, of my painting or, um you know, am I relying on artificial light when I paint and that's affecting my colors? So there are so many questions and I think they're all important. And I think the, the smaller questions are as important as the bigger ones. And, you know, you need them both to to uh, make this work. Well, do you have any final thoughts to wrap up this episode or? Yeah, I, I think I, I get back to that. What if um, type of question? Um these kind of this kind of curiosity and pushing things and um, wondering is so basic to finding your own way to your personal voice and your process. And you know, like I said, we're not always they're not always formulated in our heads, and it helps to try to pinpoint what they are sometimes and make notes and talk about them with somebody. Uh, intu- intuitive working is great, but I think with with questions, there's a point of perhaps they lead to more analysis and it's um, good to be more focused. And basically what we're doing is, you know, we're building on this gradual accumulation of knowledge from these millions of questions. (laughs) Um, Maybe look back at your own progress and say, what questions was I asking and how did I answer them? And it, it becomes part of your story, that's another podcast that we did about your art story. How did you get from here to there? Uh, what were the important um, things that you wondered about and what happened when you wondered about them? And so anyway, I've been talking a lot about my own work, but I'm, I'm hoping that there's some connections that can be made for our listeners and their own work. Well, that about wraps up this episode of The Messy Studio. You can find The Messy Studio on Facebook, as well as public profiles for both Rebecca Kroll and myself, Ross Tickner. Please make sure to check out squeegeepress.com, as well as www.rebeccacroll.com, and sign up for the email list to stay up to date on events, book signings, and openings. Please subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, or Stitcher, and leave us a rating and a review. Remember to share the show with friends and family and anyone who you think will enjoy it. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again next week with more art and entertainment. In the meantime, embrace your creative space, messy or otherwise. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>